kindness to what God is doing in this church. And he's getting his people ready. Amen. He's getting his people ready. And I, I'm so glad to be a part of the church. Amen. And uh, we love Brother and Sister Dykes and the, and the family so much and appreciate their kindness and, and uh, their friendship. Amen. The old song says, we'll understand it better by and by. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Amen. And I appreciate the Lord and I trust him. Amen. Aren't you thankful he's a God that never leaves us, never forsakes us. And he said he'd be with us always. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. I want to preach by the help of the Lord. Uh, something I've never preached before, but God laid it on my heart for this service this morning. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. I want to give honor to my family. I love my precious wife and kids. Amen. They are, they are my world, and I love them. And I'll do anything I can to protect them and keep them. And thankful for, for good kids, good family. Amen. God's been good to us. I love them. Genesis 4, we're going to start reading verse 3. Amen. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth or angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? I don't know about you, but when I just when I hear God answer Cain and talk to him, what a relationship. Amen. What a moment in time when God would just say, Hey, why are you mad? Amen. He still, he still talks to us. Why are you angry, Cain? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And I want to preach by the help of the Holy Ghost today, blood's unrelenting cry. Blood's unrelenting cry. Amen. Let's put down our Bibles, lift up our hands, and ask God to talk to us right now. <coughs> Lord, we love you. Come on, let's praise him. 
I thank you for your anointing that's already here, God. I'm asking you to anoint my mind and my heart. Anoint my mouth, Lord Jesus. Give me the wisdom, Lord. Give me the knowledge, the understanding, the vocabulary. Speak to your people right now, God. I'm, dep I'm dependent upon you, Jesus. I need you right now. Come on, let's praise him. God, I'm asking for your word to find good ground today, Lord. I'm asking every person in here to leave touched, to leave better, to leave filled with your purpose and your, and your spirit. God, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for this moment we're entering in right now, God. I'm asking for your word to go forth and accomplish what it was set out to do, God. Come on, let's love him right now. We praise you, Jesus. Speak to us, God. Speak to us, Jesus. Come on, yeah, that's it. Give him praise. Give him praise. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Everybody, give him a good hand clap of praise before you're seated. Amen. You can be seated today. Amen. Amen. Blood's unrelenting cry. Cain, in a moment of rage and jealousy towards his brother, takes the life of Abel. They had a conversation, and apparently the conversation was not what Cain wanted to hear. We don't know what was said. We don't know what went on, but something prompted Cain to take the life of his only brother. We see how quickly, though, Cain is moving on without any remorse or guilt, it seemed, as he vehemently denied knowing where Abel was even at. But Cain was unaware of a sound echoing throughout eternity. The blood of his brother was crying for vengeance. It's just two chapters later into man's existence in Genesis chapter 6 that God wishes he had never made man. Bloodshed has unleashed a wave of sin unprecedented. When you don't value human life, nothing else matters. And so wickedness is rampant upon the earth. After the flood, God sets in order some things regarding the shedding of blood. Genesis 9 and 6, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. The floodwaters couldn't wash out blood's cry. Amen, somebody. Quick facts about blood. Your blood makes up 7% of your weight. You make 17 million red blood cells per second. A red blood cell makes a complete circle of your body in around 30 seconds. In 24 hours, your blood travels 12,000 miles. Your blood is responsible for so much of your day-to-day -day functioning. When you're exercising, your blood pumps faster to deliver oxygen to your muscles. When you have eaten, your blood travels to your internal organs to help power your small and large intestines. When you are cold, your veins constrict to reduce heat loss. Your blood delivers nutrients, oxygen, and even medication to each and every corner of your body. And your heart never stops pumping as long as you live. What's pumping through your veins is priceless to its creator. Blood is a specialized body fluid. It has four main components. Plasma, red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. Blood has many different functions, including transporting oxygen and nutrients to the lungs and tissues. It forms blood clots to prevent excess blood loss. It carries cells and antibodies that fight infection. 
It brings waste products to the kidneys and liver, which filter and clean the blood. It regulates your body temperature. The blood that runs through your veins, arteries, and capillaries is known as whole blood, a mixture of about 55% plasma and 45% blood cells. An average-sized man has about 12 pints of blood in his body. A woman, about nine pints. Blood is developed from stem cells and are formed in the bone marrow through a highly intense process. These stem cells are capable of transforming into red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. These stem cells can be found circulating in the, in the blood and bone marrow of people of all ages, as well as the umbilical cords of newborn babies. Stem cells from all three sources may be used to treat a variety of diseases, including leukemia, lymphoma, bone marrow failure, and various immune disorders. So this shedding of blood sent shockwaves throughout creation. It unleashed hell's fury to forever separate humanity from its creator. Sin got them expelled from the garden, and just like the enemy always does, he didn't stop at that. He, he doesn't just want to separate you. He wants to destroy you. But God and his love for mankind had a plan. Somebody say it with me. God always has a plan. So the institution of animal sacrifice is introduced as means to offer God an offering that would roll the sins of the one performing the sacrifice ahead a year. Abraham went and him and Isaac to worship the Lord. That worship involved sacrifice. They didn't know how he was going to provide the sacrifice, but God commanded Abraham, I want you to give me your son. When God saw that Abraham was unwilling to hold anything back from God, he made a way. Today, I'm here to tell you that God is still looking for people that are unwilling, that are willing to withhold nothing from him. Amen. He wants everything. I said he wants everything. He wants people to come to the altar of sacrifice this morning and surrender everything they have to him and say, God, amen, I want to forever silence the cry, amen, of blood on my life, amen. Amen. This practice of animal sacrificing went on and on and on. It was a system, but it wasn't the answer. Why? Because an animal wasn't made in the image of God. Genesis 1 and 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. You didn't kill a ram or a sheep cane. You killed the reflection of my image. Amen. But the blood was crying out. Amen. The blood is still crying out today. Genesis 9 and 6, already read it to you, it's on the board. But whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For the image of God may he man. Psalm 72 and 14 says, He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. And precious, everybody say precious, 
shall their blood be in his sight. God loves humanity with every ounce of his fiber, every fiber in his being. Everything in him loves humanity and is designed for humanity to live and to have a precious life. He designed his creation to live eternal. He wanted that to be, amen, the, 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 the life that they would live. He, he planned it that way, but sin crept in and sin separated. See, the practice of animal sacrifice wasn't part of every culture. It was only a part of God's people. And so what about the sins of the whole world? It, it's not God's will that any should perish this morning, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Jesus Christ came to forever answer the cry for blood. He forever wanted to settle, amen, this sin problem, amen. He's not, uh, can, he's not settled or satisfied with you rolling your sins ahead for a year, but God wants to forever separate you from the sin of your life. He wants to give you hope. This morning, God has impressed upon me to preach to somebody uh, that there is a God that bled and died for you so that you might have life uh, and that more abundantly. He came to answer the cry of that blood that was spilled on that day of sacrifice. He came so that you might live. He came to forever answer the cry of blood. In the garden, knowing Calvary was just around the bend, the pressure is mounting. The cry of blood is getting louder. See, this practice had gone on for years, thousands of years. This offering, this rolling ahead, this trying to remit sin for another year, this trying to separate and have freedom from the life of failure. Song already said it, or the dice already said it. I'm here to say it for the third time. It's not over. Amen. What you've been feeling already this morning is heaven's cry to tell you, I've come for you. I've come to help you. I've come to redeem you. I've come to pick you up. I've come to give somebody hope this morning. It's not over. It's not finished. Amen. It's not done. Don't let the devil tell you that you can't have life. Don't let the devil tell you that you can't have a, 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 a good future. God determines my future. God determines what I'm going to go through. God determines how I'm going to live. Not the enemy. Not my past not my family. Amen. It's my decision today to surrender to God and say, whatever you want me to do, that will I do because I want to have life. I want to be free from the bondage of sin. I want to be free from the cry of blood that's on my life. You may not have killed anybody, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need a sacrifice for our sins. Everybody needs a Savior. The pressure's mounting in the garden. The cry of blood is getting louder. Jesus hits his knees in prayer. The agony of the situation is revealing itself. Luke 22 and 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. I can see him in the garden knowing that he's fixing to face Calvary, knowing that he came 
so that we might have life. Knowing that he has to be the sinless, spotless lamb that would take away the sins of the world. He wasn't just under the weight of Cain's sin, but all humanity. From that point on to this service right now, he carried the weight of everybody's sin in that garden. He carried the weight of everybody's failure in that garden. And he's overwhelmed. He's in agony. He's in pain. He's in torture of his mind. He's he, he's being uh, he, he's being on, uh, an onslaught of hell, uh, and thoughts and pressure are accumulating in his mind and heart. Uh, and the Bible says, as it were, great drops of blood begin falling to the ground. Uh, Brother Williams, I couldn't help but think, uh, could it be possible that the ground that received the first few drops of blood from Cain uh, or from Abel uh, is now reaching out, uh, drawing the blood uh, from his body, saying, uh, I need an answer. I need somebody to redeem me. I need somebody to avenge me because it's been so long since I was first spilled out. The flood couldn't wash it out. The sacrifice couldn't wash it out. I need a Savior to reach down and heal me. I need a Savior to reach down and forever rid me of this sin problem. Could it be this ground is drawing it from his pores? Blood is crying out, I need a Savior. Creation knew this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is staring in his cup of destiny, and he pleads, if it be possible, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful in a garden one evening when he could have said, I'm not doing it. When he could have said, I'm not going that far. When he could have said, I don't have to do this. I don't have to be the sacrifice for this world. I'm so thankful this morning that there was a God that looked beyond my faults. I said, I'm so thankful there was a God that looked beyond my mistakes and looked beyond my failure. And he looked in that cup of eternal destiny and said, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll sacrifice. I'll die. I'll take whatever I have to take so that they might live. I'm telling you today, we are, we are, we are recipients of that answered cry of blood. I'm so thankful that God said, you're going to be worth it. You're going to be worth everything you had to, I had to go through. You're going to be worth everything I had to endure. Why? Because I've got to forever settle. I've got to forever settle the debt of Cain. The countless millions of pints of blood that's been shed to this point was crying out. Not only the sins of all mankind from the beginning of time, but everybody say up until this point right now, he died for you. He died for me. He made us a way of escape. It's all weighing on him. He's in this garden overcome with a burden, overcome with the thoughts of 
what lies ahead. And God in his omnipotent, omniscient power looked throughout the whole world and he saw you and he saw me. And he said, you're worth it. I don't know what that does to you, but this morning, amen, it shook me. I don't know what it does to you, but this morning it moved me to think that somebody who didn't who didn't know me, amen, but knew me, amen, I didn't know him. I wasn't around then. I wasn't walking around then, but he looked out throughout time, and he said, I'm going to die for him. I don't know what it does to you, but to me, it makes me want to be so appreciative. It makes me want to come to his presence and give him all the praise that he deserves. It, wants, it makes me want to live right. It makes me want to shun the things that keep pulling me down. It makes me want to turn from the things that keep uh, keep backing me up in a corner. It makes me want to change my ways. Why? Because I know, I know when I was at my worst condition, uh, he still saw value in me. I'm preaching to somebody today. Uh, your heart was crying out for a Savior, and God looked in the cup of eternity and said, I'll do it for them. They're worth it to me. They're worth it to me. I'll die for them. Hopefully that they can come and live for me. He did it by the chance. He did it without any knowing. He didn't without any reservation. He didn't do it with any guarantees that you would make it. But he died so that you might come to this front this morning and surrender your life to him and say, God, I'm answering the cry. I'm answering the cry of blood. I surrender everything to you, God. I want to live for you forever. He arose from that garden and is betrayed. They bring him before Pilate. They sought opportunity and found it. They bring him before Pilate in Matthew 27 and 24 and 25. Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing. He tried to persuade the people. He counseled with Jesus. Jesus didn't say a word. Jesus said, thou sayest. He said, don't you understand that I have the power in my hands to kill you or release you? Jesus said, you don't have any power unless I give it to you. I'm here to tell us today he willingly laid down his life to forever answer the sin problem, the cry of blood. I'm so thankful that God looked out across humanity and saw the need for help, saw the need for something that would forever settle, settle the score. He couldn't prevail, but rather the people started getting stirred up. He tried. He had judged Jesus. He judged him by his character, his demeanor, his spirit. His wife wakes up in the middle of the night and says, oh, don't do it. I had a bad dream last night. You don't need to do anything with this man. You need to be careful. He's trying. He's trying to plead with the people. He's trying to convince them, this man is innocent. I find no fault in him. There's nothing in him that justifies crucifixion. There's nothing he's done. There's nothing that I can find. There's no reason to do this. 
But the people started a tumult. It started stirring. The people weren't satisfied. The people kept crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And they would say, and he would say, hey, like, it's custom to give you somebody. It's custom to give you somebody. Can I just, can I give you an option? Can I give you a choice? And, and he brings up Barabbas, this known crook, uh, this known murderer, this known uh, 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 horrible person. They bring him up uh, and Barabbas is right here. Barabbas is here and Jesus is there. And he says, it's, it's custom on this day to give you somebody, to release somebody. Do you want me to release Barabbas or you want me to release Jesus and they chose Barabbas they chose the murderer they chose the 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 the, the, the whoremonger they chose the one that had all the problems and they betrayed him and they said crucify Jesus Pilate pulls out a basin and takes some water and he washes his hands and he says, I just want you to know I'm innocent of what? Of the blood of this just person. I'm not answering that cry. I'm not going to be responsible for that. I'm not doing that. Verse 25, then answered all the people. Everybody say, everybody answered. Everybody shouted, his blood be on us and on our children. They had no idea what they were saying, but I'll tell you what was happening. Blood was crying out. They didn't understand what part of the prophetic scheme they were in, but they were putting Jesus in a position to forever settle the sin issue in humanity. They cried out, said, be, let his blood be on us and our children. <coughs> and so they carried him out. Romans 5 and 6 says, for, a while, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Turn to your neighbor and say, he did it for me. I may have a suit on, but I'm no better than you. I may have been raised in Pentecost all my life, but I have no more value in his sight than you do. I may not know what it's like to be bound by drugs and alcohol, but I still was lost. I still needed somebody to answer the cry for blood. I still needed somebody to die for me. I still needed somebody to say he's worth it. I'm talking to somebody right now in the Holy Ghost. You have been told that you're not worth it. I'm here to tell you, you're worth it. If you could only see, Isaiah looked through the prophetic eye and he said, there's no beauty in him. There's nothing that we should desire him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes are healed. But on this side of Calvary, it's ugly. There's nothing to desire of him. But I'm here to tell Isaiah the prophet, on this side of Calvary, he's beautiful. On this side of Calvary, he's lovely. On this side of Calvary, I cherish the old rugged cross. Why? 
Why? Why, Isaiah? Because it redeemed my soul. It answered the cry of blood. It rescued me when I didn't have hope. When I didn't have a way out, he made a way out. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful that he answered the blood's unrelenting cry. There's no beauty that you would desire him. I beg to differ, Isaiah. I desire him. That's why Joseph craved the body of Jesus. Craved the body of Jesus. Because he understand. He understood what that shed blood meant. And the Bible says he craved. The body of Jesus. Put him in my tomb. I want him with me. Because he answered a cry that I couldn't answer. The old song says he paid a debt that I could not pay. I owed a debt. I owed a debt. I couldn't pay it. I needed someone. He died so that we might live. His purpose was you and I. He came to forever answer blood's unrelenting cry. Hebrews 9 and 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. He did it so we could be free. I said he did it so we could be free. He did it so you and I could forever be with him. Sister Elaine, he's hanging on a cross. The trail of blood from the whipping post of Calvary is leading us to redemption. The years of sacrifice is coming to a resounding close as a spotless lamb hangs suspended between heaven and earth. He's the mediator between sin and judgment. Oh, I hope somebody understands this. When you feel repentance, when you feel the spirit of repentance come upon you, you need to cherish that thing. When God convicts you of something, you need to hold on to that thing. That's blood crying out saying, I still love you. I still need you. You still have a purpose. Amen. Don't shun. Don't push away the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. This morning, don't disregard it. I'm telling you, he paid a debt that you couldn't pay. He died so that you might live. He came so that you might have life and that more abundantly. Don't shun. Don't Son, what he's trying to do in this service today. He's hanging on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth, rejected. But his blood is dropping. His blood is being poured out. His blood. Ribbons of flesh are hanging off his back. So many people would die just from the whipping post. But he said, I can't die on the whipping post. He's carrying a 300-pound cross. He stumbles, he falls, but he sees you when you stumble and fell. And he says, I got to get up. I got to go a little further. I got to go a little farther. They lay him with that tattered back. They put that plated thorn crown on his head. 
They didn't just place it on his head. They pressed it until the thorns pressed into his skull. Blood is flowing from his face. They hit him in the face. They spit on him. He's hanging on that, he's laying on that cross. They pull out the nails. They hold down one hand. Hasn't he suffered enough? Hasn't he answered the cry enough? No. And they nail one hand to the post. And in agony, he cries out. In agony, he screams. And he's sitting there and he's beating. His heart is pumping 12,000 miles. Since that garden experience, his blood has traveled 12,000 miles, 17 million. It can't produce enough blood because so much is coming out of him. It's trying. His heart is going against a defeated uh, task. He's losing more blood, Sister Naomi, than his heart can pump. And they bit the other hand. They nail it to a cross. And he screams one more time in agony. And they grab his feet. They cross his feet, put it on the bottom post. And they nail his feet to the post. And the blood splatters everywhere. They raise up that cross. Cross, uh, drop him in the hole. They don't land him there. And when he lunges, it just a lot of times it would just tear them from the post. Uh, but he hangs on. He's still there. And he's hanging in agony. And it's enough. You would think it's enough. It's enough. But then they say, "Come on down from there, and we'll serve you." An innocent man is answering the cry of blood. And that centurion soldier who later says, surely this man was the Son of God, is watching. He's watching him hang there. And with every bit of strength, he takes a breath. By now, his lungs are filling up with blood. So every, every, every attempt to breathe is a struggle. His heart's pumping. And open wounds and arteries and veins are just shooting blood out. And he's looking out today. He was on the cross, but he was looking at you and saying, they're worth it. He's hanging there. In John 19 and 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, they tried to, he refused it because oftentimes in that vinegar, that what they would do is they'd put a little opium with it, a little last bit of mercy. So they'd put some opium with the little concoction and put it in his face. And he turns away. The devil will never stop trying to get you to quit. He's on the cross. He's losing more blood than he can produce. He's been beaten. He's had stripes. His, his, have you ever had an open wound? I mean, his back is just, it's just tattered, ripped, shredded flesh. And he's sitting there with the muck and the mire and the dirt and the grime. And the devil said, I want to see if I can get him. He never stops. And then when he turns from that, Jesus said, it is finished. I can, I can hear him gurgling as he, as he breathes. I can see him 
it is finished. Every ounce of his fiber was expensed to those three words. And he cries out, it is finished. In Mark 15 and 37, and Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave it the ghost. And the veil of the temple was torn, was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The answer to blood's unrelenting cry was, it is finished. No more animal sacrificing. No more separation. I'm dying so that you might live. And when I say it is finished, no longer is a veil going to separate me from your from uh, me from you. Our presence, my presence, is not going to be separated from you any longer. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Calvary did a lot more than just save us from our sins. It forever removed the barrier of us walking into the holy of holies. That's why when we come and we experience the power and moving of His presence, Brother Williams, we can't take it for granted. He paid a debt so that you and I can feel His presence. He paid a debt so you and I could feel his anointing this morning. He paid a debt. He paid the ultimate sacrifice so we could come in here and sing some songs and feel the anointing and feel freedom and feel hope. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He forever settled the score and said, it is finished. Blood's cry for vengeance is replaced. Now there's a cry. Now there's a cry saying, I love you. It's no longer a cry of a murdered boy. But it's a cry from heaven saying it is finished. He cried with a loud voice. He forever silenced the cry of blood. As his heart pushed out the last bit. And that centurion grabbed that spear just to be sure it's all out. Oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, God was not going to leave anything undone. He put it in the heart of that centurion to get that spear and lunge it right between that rib. Because in the crevices of that heart was still blood. It had pumped everything else it could. The veins were empty. The organs was empty. Everything was drained, but there was still some blood in Pulls that spear out, and the Bible said blood and water flowed. You know why blood and water flows from the heart? It's because it has been under so much pressure that it just explodes. Jesus said, I don't want one drop left in me. I don't want one drop left in me. Because my blood 
can cover a multitude of sins. I've got a remedy for the things that are haunting you. I've got an answer to the guilt you feel. It's in coming around this front and saying, God, I'm tired of running from the cry. God's waiting on you today to say, it's finished. I'm done running. I'm done hiding. It's over. I give up Jesus. I want this church to pray right now. Now there's a new cry. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that made me white as snow. There's no other fount. I know there's nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to stand with me right now. not here by accident. God directs your steps. God woke you up this morning. It was you that he had on his mind. Because he knew you can't run anymore, man. Am I saying prophesying doom over you? No, I'm not. But I'm telling you right now, God's been reaching for you for a long time. Come on, lift up your hands right now and pray with me. Come on, let's love him right now. Does anybody in here feel like you owe him something right now? have to do it. He didn't have to do it, Sister Arlene. While we were yet without strength, he said, I'll die for him. Come on, pray right now. Pray right now. I'm opening, I'm opening up these altars right now. I'm asking for somebody that's tired of running. I'm asking for somebody that's tired, you're weary, and you need some hope. I'm asking you to come right now. You can get a touch where you're at, but there's only some things you can get at the foot of the cross. There's only some things you can get at his feet.
Come on, God's wanting to give you a new hope. God's wanting to give you a new chapter in your story. It's not over. No, it's finished. Your past is what's going to be over. The stress, the pressure, the guilt, the shame, that's what's going to be over. Come on, come, come. Now there's a cry going out. Whosoever will, let him come. Revelation says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody hears my voice and opens up the door, I'll come in and I'll dine with them. God wants a relationship with you so bad. He wants a relationship with you so bad. I said he wants a relationship with you so bad. Come on, reach out to him right now. Come on, reach out to him. Lift up your hands right now. Talk to him. Talk to him. For you, he died. For me, he died. Come on, it's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. He did it for me. And if I'd been the only one, he still would have done it. He did it for me. He did it for you. That's why when we say we plead the blood, we have power. Because he forever conquered every sin, every problem. When he ascended, the Bible says he led captivity captive. It was over. It was done. The things that captivated you, the things that kept you bound, he led them away captive. My blood covers them. My blood. My blood is the answer for every sin they face. Right now, wherever you're at, lift up your hands. Oh, precious. Come on, cry out to him right now. He did it for me. He did it for you. Come on, get renewed the Holy Ghost right now. Pray until you pray through. Pray until God baptizes you with his spirit. God's doing the work here. Cry out, church, cry out. That's why when you plead the blood over your kids, it's not just a phrase that has no meaning. It has depth. It has power over every sin, every situation. I plead the blood because it's finished. It's conquered everything. But the blood, come on, reach out to him right now. 
right now. Nothing. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Come on, church. Start pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. Come on. Come on. Moses, it's much more than putting the blood on the doorpost. Oh, now this blood, this blood, this blood.